And, uh, you know, praying about this year, praying for us as a church family, I just wanted to take a few minutes just to share with you some things that are just rolling in my heart a little bit for us as we go into this year. And I guess just some things for us to be aware of. And the, the word that just kept rolling in my heart a little bit as, we were, as I was praying about this is just this word, strong. All strong. Can you say it with me? All strong. We know it's God's will that we be strong, right? Strength. And again, not strength necessarily just to go through trials, although that's important. It's also strength so that you can carry on heavier or weightier assignments. Now, when I walk with my children right now, and we actually got a puppy for Christmas. (laughs) She's a sweet puppy. Um, We're potty training it. I feel like I've been potty training for 10 years now. And I'm just looking forward to getting out of it. I stepped in, I don't know how many puddles of pee this morning. I need strength, Lord. I need strength. Uh, But not just necessarily, as we were saying, strength for the trials, but also strength to carry on weightier assignments. And so as I was saying, you know, when walking in all the extra snow that we got this past couple couple days, uh, but I noticed that my footprint has more of an imprint than my children or specifically this dog that I'm waiting forever to take outside to do its business. Why is that? It's because I'm... Careful, now. <laughs> I'm weightier, right? I'm heavier. So you're just, oh, what do I say to this? Muscular would have been the pra- proper thing than just muscles, heavier than muscle, fat. But anyways, there's, there's weight to it. So I don't know about you, but for us as a church family, we want to actually grow in our strength Because then we can carry on a weightier assignment that the Lord has given us. And not that we're looking for the assignment, we've received one. And so now what's important to it is to now the the weight or to be able to carry is now up to you and I to actually getting to that point. Same way if you're going to the gym. I know I got a guy named Dallas, if Dallas is around here. This guy can bench squat like this building. It's ridiculous when you see what he can do. But it's not that all of a sudden you just throw all that 500 pounds. We're going to just throw that weight on it, lift it. You work your way to that place. And once you get there, your muscles now start to adapt to that new weight that you're able to lift. Anybody have do their seven days of New Year's resolution? Been to the gym? Okay, so far we're seven for seven. Okay, well, right, that's how it, that starts. And so your muscle starts to get in routine. Well, spiritually speaking, the same thing, I want to encourage you that you have been used to so much weight, that you've carried a certain amount of weight. You're used to it. But I want to encourage you, there's some more strength that can be added to you for greater and heavier assignments and also just to continue to go forward what the Lord has called you to do. There is more for you. So I want to encourage you, get used to being a little bit uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is not necessarily, you know, naturally speaking, where we say you belong here, we're going to make it uncomfortable. We're going to freeze this place out so next week you're going to I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But start doing things that you haven't done before. If you haven't lifted your hands during worship, do it. Well, I don't really like it. I don't care. It's not about what you like. It's for him. I've never danced before. Do it. Please, we, put, we got a bigger building for you and I to enjoy the space. Go for it, right? Let me encourage you, just get used to being doing some of those things. And what, what, does that have any significance? Whatever he tells you to do, when you do that, you're adding more strength and weight to yourself. 
So I want to just give you a couple of scriptures, and this is the one that was rolling in my heart for this. Ephesians 6.10, a very familiar first verse to us, but it says this, Ephesians 6.10 in the Amplified, it says, in conclusion, so everything Paul just talked about, which Ephesians is a powerful book, but he says to wrap all this up, he says, be strong. Come on, be in myself. No, be strong in the Lord. Now I love this, draw your strength. Kind of see it like a straw. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. The Living Bible says it like this. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. And the Message Bible of it says it like this. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. Somebody yell out, strength. So what we're going to do is, I believe, I mean, we've heard a lot of powerful words for us as a church family. I mean, that we've entered into our season of rest. We've entered into a season of the presence of the Lord. We've entered into a season of this is our Jehovah Jireh. We've heard all these powerful words, and they're exciting. Now, don't just think it's for a few of you. It's for everyone in this room. Those that are hearing my voice online, this is for you. We've entered that season. So what we do, we need to learn how to be strong in the Lord. And we're going to take some time to go into that a little bit in this next coming season. Are we okay? So I don't have all these scriptures on here, but you can jot them down if you're taking notes. I want to read to you a couple things in the book of Psalms. And it says this, Psalm 18.1, it says this, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. Psalm 18.32, it says, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. Psalm 18.39, it says, you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. Psalm 23.3, it says, he renews my strength. Aren't you thankful for some renewal? Maybe you fought hard and you've stood for quite some time and you're kind of feeling, oh man, I'm, it's the weight of this. I've been standing, I've been believing God, I've been pressing forth, I've been sowing, I've been giving. He renews the strength to keep going. Psalm 28, verse 7 and 8, it says, The Lord is my strength and shield and the Lord gives his people strength. Say it, I'm strong. Why? Because the Lord is my strength. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with his peace. Psalm 59, 9, you are my strength. Can we just say that together? You are my strength. Personalize this. Really think of this. You, Lord, you are my strength. No matter what I may be facing, no matter what it looks like, you are my strength. Come on, y'all, we got to shut that out. You, Lord, are my strength you got to speak this. You are my strength. Come on. Psalm 71 verse 7, it says, My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and my protection. Psalm 84 verse 5, it says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. Psalm 89, 17, I love this verse. It says, You, Lord, are our glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Man, Jesus did not die for a wimpy, broken down church. You are a strong people. What does even the Bible say? Let the weak say, I am strong. That's who you are. Psalm 118 verse 14, it says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Woo! 
I don't know about you, but whatever you and I may be facing going into 24, and no matter what the world may look like, but the good news is that you and I don't have to tap it and try to find some supernatural strength from the world so that we could be rejuvenated for this next season. Our strength does not come from anything outside. We don't look to government. We don't look to our job. We don't look to money. We look to the Lord. He is the strength of our life. Now, again, why is it so important that we talk about strength, that we are strong because of these, in these last days? Look at this in Acts chapter 14. I do have this on here. Now, this is talking about the Apostle Paul and his, and his team. He says, after preaching the wonderful news of the gospel, notice this, there, and they were one, a large number of people or followers to Jesus. Hail. That's what we're after, is it not? Winning people. They retracted their steps and revisited Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And at each place, look at this in verse 22. What did they do at each place that they went? They strengthened the lives of the believers. So maybe you've been, I'm coming through a real strong season. That's great. You need to continually be strengthened again. They strengthened the lives of the believers. And notice this, they encouraged them to go Go a little deeper. And that's what we're going to do. The first Sunday of the month is what we're taking the time for, is just having these deeper nights. That means we have zero agenda. It's just simply you and I taking time to be with the Lord. Yeehaw. To go deeper in the faith. And then notice, they taught them, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom. Now stop. Before you read any further, what is the realm of God's kingdom? Is that some kind of place that we're looking for? It's a system of operation. It's God's ways. It's how God thinks. It's how God operates. So what he's saying, it's necessary for us to enter into the ways of how God operates. God has, like Pastor John talked about that so wonderfully last week, that God has an agenda. God has a way of doing things. God has a totally MO, a method of operation that you and I need to learn how to operate in because this world is going to fail you and I. Have we not experienced that these last three years? Oh, man. They're going to talk about wars and rumors of wars and floods and earthquakes and everything we once put our trust in, the systems of this world, are starting to fail. Shouldn't be a surprise to the church. We know it's going to fail. Why? Because the God of this world is in charge of it, and he doesn't know how to win. He's a big, fat loser. All right. Okay, continuing on. So it's good to enter God's way of operation because that's the only way to endure many trials and persecutions. So what he's saying is you need to tap into something that goes beyond your natural self, learn to tap into a higher way of operating, a higher way of thinking, a higher way of acting, a higher way of speaking because of what's coming against you. There's a way that when the enemy comes against you like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord rises a standard against him. So no matter what comes your way, what flood may come your way, what natural disaster may take place, you will always rise above it. Why? Because I've learned to tap into a higher lifestyle, a higher strength that goes beyond just my own self. That's what you and I are a part of. So how we love your name? Jesus, we do, because it's that name that we are saved. Not just saved back in the day, continually saved from what the enemy may do to us out here. You and I rise above all that. Huh. Let me just remind you again this morning. 
spiritual battle and spiritual warfare, that seems to be a big talk once in a while that you pops up here and there, but you already are facing whatever battle you come against, whatever the enemy may be doing, keep this in mind. He already is a defeated enemy. The Bible says he's actually been wrought to nothing, meaning he's paralyzed. How awesome would it be if you're going into the ring and all of a sudden you see your opponent show up in a wheelchair? He's got to push himself to get to the center of the ring. I go, yes, I'm going to beat the snot out of this guy. Absolutely rolls on in there, boom to the face. Good night. Game's over. That's how Jesus raised you up and says, that's who you are in Christ. The devil likes to roar. He's sitting in that wheelchair. You go, really? And you give him the word, and he tries to, tries to get out of there. Know who you are in him. I gave away my message. That's what we're going to get into. All right. (laughs) Now, Paul, again, as we said, it's not just getting through trials, but it's also taking on weightier assignments. And I believe that's part of what you and I are called to do in this region that we're in. You have some spiritual assignments, church, individually as a family, but also corporately as a body. There is a spiritual assignments given to us, so we need the strength to match it. And that's what we're going to take some time to do. So by the end of this, you are going to be spiritually Hulk. You're going to be ripping shirts here and there and just go, man, I'm, how did I get so strong? It's because the strength of the Lord is on the inside of you. And it just needs to be awakened, and you need to go, that's who I am in Christ Jesus. Come on now. Now, again, if you kind of look through Acts chapter, I mean, we just read Acts 14, but if you look at Acts 15, 32, Acts 16, 5, Acts 18, 23, you see again these, these mighty men and women of God, they went and they continually strengthened the churches. And as the churches got stronger, you should read this in Acts 16, 5. What happened? More people came to the Lord. So what does that tell me? It's that strength is attractive to the world. Strength is attractive to young believers. Why? Because nobody wants to go and hang around with a loser. Nobody wants to hang around a losing church. Come on, can I get an A-win somewhere in here? So we are a strong church. Because we are a strong people. We have strong individuals, strong marriages, strong families. And that's what makes a strong community. Okay, all right. Now, and you know, Psalm or Proverbs 24.10, just to give a, a little bit of what Solomon said regarding this, he says, if you fail under pressure, it's not because what was coming against you is too big. He says, your strength is too small. So no matter what be coming your way, then there's nothing the devil can do your way, can come bring against you that you have, don't have the power out of the inside to overcome it. Amen. I had a few people run around the lap for that one, so I'll just wait three minutes and then... But continuing on, I said, I just, so for us as a church family, I, I see this so strongly. I, more and more as I'm spending time in prayer, I see this. But for, if you are a strong believer, meaning you, you've been with the Lord, you have a relationship with the Lord, it's great that you keep getting poured into, but it's just as much as that's important. It's crucial that you are now looking down to see someone who's not as strong and bring them up to where you are. This is what discipleship is all about. This is what, I mean, we're even launching this foundations in the next couple of weeks. And the whole purpose of that is so that those that are new to the faith or new to the message of grace and faith can learn how to get a solid foundation underneath them. I mean, we wouldn't throw a natural baby 
As soon as they get born, you kind of just throw them out and say, well, figure it out for yourself. Well, spiritually speaking, that's the same what we want to do here. There's new people that are new to understanding and relationship with Jesus. There's new people that are coming to go, what grace and faith? What, what are you talking about? Identity in Jesus? Don't we just sing a few sim hums, ring something from the book of Job and go home? No, there's more to this. This is actually personal relationship with Jesus, and he wants you strong. So I see this church just, man, getting stronger and stronger together. Come on, are you, see, are you with me on this? Do you see this? It's not just me and myself make sure I'm okay. Great that you're okay. But, man, there is a whole group of people that are longing and looking, families to be impacted by what you know and experienced in Jesus. And then on the other hand, if you're kind of saying, I'm a born-again believer or I'm new to this message of grace and faith, great, awesome. Now always keep your eye open and say, hey, there's somebody that I can attach myself and say, I want to learn from you. I'm here to, okay, can you teach me? I'm teachable. Show me some things. I I long to learn these things. There's this hunger for that as well. So it goes both ways because nobody got here by themselves, spiritually speaking. Somebody had to teach you generosity. Somebody had to teach you the ways of faith. Somebody had to teach you how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody had to teach you how to stand on a platform. That's what happened to me. Nobody just miraculously get here. You learn it, you learn it, you watch it, you see it. Okay, I want to know more. I want to know more. So this is where we are as a church family is we're learning to get stronger together. Because it would be weird that all of a sudden, you know, this side is all like flexing and ripped. And over here we're just like, I can't do nothing. It's the whole body ripped together Flexing some pipes to the world and say, here we are. (laughs) Devil, bring it on. Let's go. Okay. (laughs) I'll fix myself. Now let's go. Now, strength is the result, number one, of knowing God. For some of you that are saying, I'm I'm a strong believer. Great. How How did you get there? You know the character and the nature of God. Daniel 11, 32, it says, the people... Who know their God? Who knows their God? Who knows their God? The people who know their God, what's going to happen to them? What's the response of knowing God? They'll be strong. And they take action. So there's no such thing as somebody knowing God and just going, I'm strong, but I don't really do anything. That's ludicrous. What a waste of muscle. You know God? Guess what the enemy is afraid of? You using that knowledge, that deep relationship, and impacting another family with it. He hates that. So what he'll do? He'll make you busy. Oh, I got to go to Costco Monday and Wednesday. Don't change that. Are you kidding me? I have to allow the Lord to adjust my calendar a little bit. But notice this. The people that know, that word know is the the Hebrew word yada, yade. And that is simply an intimacy. It's the same that you see in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Now, what is that knowledge? It's this deep intimacy. Don't just think sexual relations. That's, that's for a natural, that's a part of the relationship. But with God, it's this intimate knowledge of knowing him. It's I know when God moves, I know what he's thinking. Like, hey, if, my, if, if Jamie and I, I know when she talks to me on the phone, if she says something, I know the mood that she's in. I know what's about to take place. I know where she's at. I know what's going on. She can give me a look and I go, I know exactly what that means. Well, the Bible even talks about God wants to lead you with his eye. Anybody ever been led by their parents by, the, by, the, by their eyes? Man, I get a look from my mom or my dad. 
What does that mean? Run. As fast as you can, man. Your younger brother's crying. Get out of the way as quick as you can. And it's not always like this. Sometimes it's just this, when they're watching you perform or they're watching you do soccer or something like that, and they have this, that's something my son, Jace, I, I love this and I want it to never change. But whenever he's on the pitch, he had a soccer tournament all this weekend, he all the time, he'll find to see where I'm at and all of a sudden he'll look over after he does something and I just give him one of these. And he goes. That to me gives me the thrill. Well, how much more our heavenly father, there's things that please him. And so how much more our heavenly father, you just get that sense on the inside. Yes, sir. I, I love to get that look. <laughs> and then there's times, hey, there's some correction that needs to take place. All of this is for our development, for our advancement. Don't stay comfortable with where you're at. There's so much strength that you probably don't even know you're capable of carrying. There is a lot more to you. There is a lot more Jesus on the inside of you that you probably even know. Because the Bible says, as he is, so am I in this world. So there is a lot of Jesus on the inside of you. In fact, it's his whole self. So what it is, it's waking up now to the reality of who, knowing God, but now knowing who I am in him. So a big part of strength is, first of all, knowing God. Now look at this. The Apostle Paul, after many years of successful ministry, I want you to see this. Philippians 3.10 in the Amplified, the first part of it. I love it. I love it. I love it. This has become a verse that I put in every journal that I start. And I start a lot of journals. But it says, my determined purpose is to be a huge success. No. It's that I may know him. Come on, shout it out. Know him. Not just about him. And I know that's a very familiar thing in the Christian terminology. But do you just know about God? Or do you actually know him? Knowing him is so different than knowing about him. Knowing about him, a lot of the church world can say stuff about, oh, I know God did this. I know God can do that. But yeah, yeah, that's great. But do you know him for yourself? Have you acknowledged him as your provider? Have you called him and known him as your healer? Have you called him and known him as He's my friend, one that sticks closer than a brother. I know this one. I know him. I know he will not let me down. No matter what comes my way, I've become solid because I know in whom I have believed. He says, my determined purposes. So this becomes an individual determination. Something on the inside of you. Nobody can make you do this. This comes out of your own will. But I'll tell you this, when you start going after God, he can't help but come near to you. The Bible even says that those come close to God and God will come close to you. It's your move. It's your turn. And in fact, this Hebrews eleven six even goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, notice it's my turn. He who comes to God must believe. What? That he is. That he is everything he says he is. And number two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently go after him. Not casually look once in a while, but going, Lord, I want you. I want you. I want you. I'm all in on this. Church, we're getting into further and further down as we get into this timeline. There is no other option other than going all in. 
There's not this, well, I can, you know, dabble around with worldly stuff and then I'm going to, I'll do church stuff once in a while and Lord, thank you for making up the difference. There's coming a time, I don't know when it is going to be for your life, where you're going to have to make a decision and say, my determined purpose. I've tried all this other stuff. I tried figuring out how to make my wife happy. I tried figuring out how to make my husband happy. I tried figuring out how to, you know, get my kids interested. I'm working. I'm Lord, I'm doing all these things. I don't want to provide. I'm doing all these things, trying to have fun, trying to encourage all these things. There's going to come a time. Mine was 2005 where there is this decision on the inside of you and say, I'm done. I've tried it all. It didn't work. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. You love me? Okay, here's my life. If you can do something with it, you can have it. And I tell you, it has been the most wonderful, crazy, exciting, ha ah, journey that you could ever walk on. And I know many people can say that in this but I'm telling you, this is a decision that you've got to make. Why? Because 2024 in the world isn't pretty. We know that from Scripture. You can already see it. They're already talking about seeing giants in Miami. Things are happening. It's going to get crazier and crazier. Why? Because the devil knows his time is short. So what's he going to do? Everything he can to deceive. He's going to do everything he can to steal. He's going to do everything he can to bring strife. He's going to do everything he can to distract the church from having their eyes fully devoted, fully dedicated to their King Jesus. He'll do everything. I don't know about you, church, but I refuse to look around and go, oh, dear God, what's going to happen when I know what's going to happen? He's going to come and get me at the right time. While I'm, while I'm looking for him, while I'm waiting for his coming to come pick me up and have an amazing dinner up in heaven, I'm going to bring as many people into this as I possibly can and say, look, he's coming, he's coming, and the devil's going to be ba 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 Our job is to, that may be happening, but look at how good he is. Look at how pure he is. I believe there's a purity movement that's on the rise. And I'm not talking purity, just morally pure. I'm talking purity, every area. He is so pure. Lord, I want what you want. He gave it to you. Ha, <laughs> to be clean, to be clean. That's what he came to provide. He says that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Look at this. He says, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of of his person more strongly and more clearly than I may become to know. I mean, he goes on to say the power of his uh, resurrection, the power of what he's gone through, absolutely the whole thing. We want him all. Now look at this in First, Second Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul uses these words. He says, I know the one in whom I trust. See, this is sometimes can be a little bit of a, well, I, I trust him, but do you know him? It's really hard to trust somebody you don't know. How come husbands, wives, if you look at each other, do you trust each other? One said, yeah. <laughs> we may have to go a different direction and launch off. But if you were to look at your spouse here for a moment or a close friend sitting next to you, do you trust each other? Why? Because you know them. This would be like, this so you get, get some bonus points this morning. I trust her completely. I trust him completely. 
Yes, and that's how this relationship develops. So the New Testament is all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we took a great part of last year, 2023 and 2022, talking about knowing him and the grace that he has extended to us as believers. God looks at you and he deals with you on the basis of grace, not on the basis of the law. Correct. So all of that, we spent a long time getting to know, because when you unwrap this grace, and grace, again, not just a topic, it's a man named Jesus. When you unwrap him, you can't help but fall more and more in love with Jesus, because you see where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What, what Satan did in Adam, you see what God did in Jesus, they're not even comparable. When you read it, Paul actually in the Greek, it's hard to even bring it out in English because it says, you, like what Paul's trying to say, you can't even compare what Satan did in Adam. It's not even comparable, you know, well, Satan did this in Adam. Well, yeah, well, God did Jesus that. So that kind of goes, mm, level up one. It, it super abounded it. All the sin, the sickness, the darkness, all the everything, the confusion that the enemy brought into Adam, Jesus super abounded it all. And that's why when we talk about grace, it is unending because you talk about grace that we'll be talking about for eternity because the Bible actually says, what are we going to be doing in eternity future? He is going to be calling you and I in to show the depths of his love, the depths of his grace that he has towards you because you're in Christ Jesus. What? That's what the Bible actually says, Ephesians 2, 7, is that's what he's going to do. What does your future look like? God is going to love you, love you, love you, love you, put you as an advertisement and says, this is how I treat my kids. He's going to love you some more, love you some more. And people actually remember hearing prophecies as a kid that the church will be walking down the street and another creation that's coming will go and look, those are the select ones. Those are the valuable, treasured ones of the Almighty God. We're the children. Come on, church. That's who you are. A child, that's the thing the Bible even says, and that's who we are. Children of Almighty God. What a calling. What a title. To be called and counted as a son or daughter of the Most High God. That should light your fire. That should get you pumped up for facing 24. Why? I'm God's kid. No matter what comes my way, God is on my side. Okay, now, whew, the second thing that we see is strength is now the result of knowing who I am in him. And we're going to take time in these upcoming weeks to talk a little bit about this because this is crucial for you and I to know is to know your identity. And as you can see, naturally speaking, even if you were just to take a look at the natural world, what is the enemy toying with regularly in people? Identity. We don't know if we're boys or girls anymore. We're confused on all of that. I'm confused if I'm what I'm supposed to do with here. I'm confused. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I can do. And so we start making things up and the devil's loving it and the church is hating and fighting it. We ought to be bringing the truth in this and saying, there's only two. If you're confused, look down. That will help you identify if you are a male or a female. And I say that with all love and sincerity. I'm not hating anybody. That is just reality. That will help you tremendously. Oh, okay. But then it's also our spiritual. I don't have this on the screen, but you find this in Acts chapter 19. 
It's called the seven, the seven Sons of Sceva. Anybody read that story? And what is it? You see these Jewish exorcists that were looking to take a demon out of a possessed individual, right? And what did they say? We charge thee, or we command you, talking to the demonic spirit, to come out of the man in the name of Jesus who Paul preached. What did the demon say? Oh, sure. <laughs> what did the demon say? Jesus we know. Paul we're acquainted with. We know who he is as well. But then he said, who are you? And what happened? That man, the demon spirit through that man, jumped on those seven sons of Sceva, beat them up, ripped their clothes off, and those seven guys ran out of there completely naked. Why? They didn't know who they were. They did not know who they were. So the question for you this morning is, do you know who you are? Who are you? Well, I'm a Canadian. That's great. The devil will laugh at that. Canadian or not, I don't care what you are. Do you know who you are? So when you have an understanding of who I am, it adds strength to you because this is the position and this is who I am in Christ Jesus. We doing okay? Okay, so I want you to, let's go here for a little bit. Now again, as we said, the focus of this new covenant is knowing my identification of who I am in Christ Jesus that the gospel reveals. Right again, the, the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Christ is the most powerful talk, the most powerful, not just talk or message, but it also was first an act, is the most powerful act that God himself ever demonstrated in the earth. In fact, it's so powerful that if other nations, if you were going to cross their borders and they knew that you were carrying a message of the gospel, they may not let you in. So you have to go in as a secret agent. Dun, 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 and you come in there. And listen, I, got, I have a, a good friend of mine. Uh, they, their, their ministry, and we, we, we partner, we help out with them. They bring Bibles into the most obscure places, Iran, China, and Burma. Those are the three areas that they're hitting hard right now is to bring Bibles in their language to these people. And here's the good news, what you need to hear about this. This was when they showed us testimonies of these individuals that received these Bibles. It'll light you on fire. These um, ex-Muslims are reading front to back the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they believe in this Jesus. Here's, here's, what, here's what the guy told me. He said, because, he said, the Quran is how their government operates by, and the younger generation doesn't like how the governing authorities are operating. So when they put the two and two together, going, you operate by the Quran, I hate the way that you're operating, therefore there's a problem with the Quran. So there's an opportunity for the gospel to get in. And these guys, honestly, they're like the James Bond of the body of Christ. They go in there and they're hiding it all. Actually, the guy said, when we hire, they're, they're from Afghanistan, we hire uh, drug dealers from Afghanistan because they'll smuggle anything in. He said, he looks just like you. I went, double Asian jewel. I like it. <laughs> hire these guys in, give them tons of these Bibles and they bring them all across the border into Iran and they start delivering them and people are getting saved. He said, there's a couple there, they're hairdressers and they have a church in the basement. How awesome is that? So I tell you, this gospel message 
will not wane, will not fall down in power. Why? Because it's backed by God Almighty and it's proved to be true by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that saved you. This is the gospel that reached you. This is the gospel that we have to continue to proclaim because it is too good to be true. So when we gather here together, what are we magnifying? Jesus and his finished work and the gospel. That's why music should be a little louder. That's why it should be a little bit different than, you know, standing in line at Canadian Tire. There should be some excitement in the air. Why? Because God is good. And his news to you and I is goodwill towards you. Peace on earth between you and me. Woo! That's good news. Because I tell you, those angels can do some serious butt kicking. And I'm glad that they're now my servants. Anybody else happy about that? All right. So the Apostle Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed. Anybody ashamed? No, I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Why? Because it, the good news, this message, the message also sees is just as powerful as the act itself. Satan hates the gospel. Why? Because it defeated him. It took every power, all the power that he had, and now put him back in that little wheelchair. He hates talking about it. He hates when it's brought up. Why? Because it reminds him going, oh yeah, I'm paralyzed. Uh, That's why we celebrate. It is the power of God at work. It is God, see those three words? God at work. Come on, say those three words with me. God at work. What is the gospel? It's God at work. Come on, what is the gospel? It's God at work. What's the law? It's you at work trying to please God. But the gospel is God at work for your behalf. Woo! God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and then also the Gentile. That's include that means everybody. Right? Verse 17 he goes on to say, this good news, this gospel, it tells us So what is the message? What is what Jesus did? The full act of what the gospel is? It tells us how God, again, God working for us, God makes us right. This right here is the foundation for your Christianity. God made you right. God at work. What did God do? He could have done anything. He could have picked everything, but instead he said, I'm going to lay the foundation. You are right with me. Woo! That's the gospel. He makes you right and everything comes off of that foundation. I'm right with God, so that means I've been blessed with every gift, every blessing that God has to offer. How can you say that? Because I've been made right in his sight. If I've been made right in his sight, I am the healed And the devil may try to put something on me, but I work from this foundation. I'm right in his sight. Therefore, healing belongs to me. Peace belongs to me. How can you say that? Because I've been made right in his sight. Now listen, church, we have to really get this and don't let this go in one one ear out the other. This is the foundation for it all because the Bible tells us that this is the difference between staying in babyhood on and maturing into adulthood is knowing and having the revelation of a right standing with God, it has to pierce your consciousness. Because the world continues to say, or should I say the world, the church continues to say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No. That's not who you are. 
God made me right. So that's maybe what I was, but he made me right in his sight. And now I'm a child of the almighty God. Woo! He goes on to say, this is accomplished from start to finish. How? By faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So now it also tells us this is how we live life is through this faith, this stance, this belief that God has made me right. Do you realize that you are in right standing with God this morning? Oh, I had a horrible night last night. That does not change your standing. For my standing to change means that Jesus must have messed up in heaven. Has Jesus messed up? Will he ever mess up? No, so my righteousness is secure. It's established not on my works. It's established on his finished work. So my righteousness never, ever, 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 ever changes because he does not. So you are standing on really solid ground this morning. (laughs) That should put a smile on your face this morning. Oh, it's based on Jesus. Okay, now, so what is the gospel? The gospel is the power of God at work. It's God working, producing. What is God producing through the gospel? Salvation. Say it with me. Salvation. Salvation. What is God at work doing through the gospel? He's producing salvation. Sometimes, I don't know why we do this, but in the church we kind of hear the word good news or gospel. We think, well, that's just to the sinners to tell them about how good God is. It's true But salvation doesn't just mean coming and getting out of hell and making heaven now your home and destiny. It actually means so much more than that. It's a continual salvation. And I'm going to give you the Greek. We know the Greek word for salvation, sozo, eternal life, sozo. And this is what it means. Are you ready? These five words, it means deliverance. It means healing. So what is God doing at work through the gospel? He's delivering. Come on, y'all, this is your unstuck message here. I've been stuck with this mindset. I've been stuck looking at this pornography day in, day out. I've been stuck doing this drug. I've been stuck drinking this. I've been stuck smoking this, popping these pills. I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to get out of it. People think they need more power. They need more gospel. So he says salvation, God at work through the gospel is deliverance, freedom, complete freedom. What else? Healing. That is your mental, that is your physical, healing is provided. What else does the salvation include? A soundness. Man, a sound mind. <laughs> know what else? Preservation. That also, when I think of that, there's no expiry date on you. Man, you got to look at milk this morning. Ah, shoot, it expired, you know, December 30th. It should be fine. There's a preservation, something about you that no matter what happens here, how, how am I still standing? How, am I kept, how have I kept going through all this? God has preserved you through his good news. I should have fallen. I should have quit many times over. The world has given up on me many times over. But God has preserved you through the message of the gospel. And what else does salvation mean? It means the blessing of the Lord. So God is interested in you being very rich. Can we say the R word together? Very financially, relationally, 
mentally, physically, family relations, rich, 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 rich. When, the, when all the heathens looked at Abraham, they said, he's rich. And Abraham would go, yeah, I really am. And the Bible actually says the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and there's no sorrow attached to it. <laughs> you know, when Julian was given that offering message, you know, when he says God is able, he gives seed to the sower. So what's the point of the blessing? It's so that you become a distribution center of whatever comes in. So he doesn't give seed to the stingy. He doesn't give seed to the pastor. He doesn't give seed to the good Christian. He doesn't give seed to the best, you know, church attender. He gives seed to the sower. That's how God operates. So again, that's a whole other MO, method of operation, that we need to learn and understand so that no matter what comes our way, we are operating financially on a higher plane than the natural world. <laughs> Y'all, I, I hope we're doing okay. I'm, I'm okay. Let's, let's finish it up here, Joel. Now, the gospel, again, reveals what God did in Christ for us. We know Jesus took our sin and then what did God do when he raised Jesus from the dead? God put everything he wanted to put in you, he put it in Jesus. Health, joy, peace, blessing, sound mind, everything that we're reading right here, deliverance. He put all of that into Jesus. And now, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God puts you in Christ. So everything that Jesus is, everything that Jesus has, belongs to you because I'm in him. So the gospel, the signature of the gospel is these two words, in Christ. Again, if you were to really take time and like study it theologically, the Bible is about two men. It's about the first man, Adam, and about the second Adam named Christ. God looks at you. God looks at this earth as you are in either in Adam or you are in Christ. In Adam means you are in sin. It means that your first birth. This is what I came in and spiritually I'm dead. Spiritually I have nothing. Spiritually I have the same fall that my father Adam dwelt and has because of his sin. Sickness, disease, all is part of that camp and that's where we see the world system operating in. But God is so good. God is so gracious. He says, I'm going to send another man just like the first one, except without fault. He's not going to sin. He's going to obey me 100%. He's not going to only just obey me. He is going to die, rise from the dead. He is the first man to be born again. So that now when you call on the name of Jesus, you can no longer say, I'm just human. I'm just a human. Yeah, part of you is human, but on the inside, you got the divine nature of God Almighty on the inside of you. It's the Bible says it's a brand new man, one that has never existed before. Pastor John said that last week that now God has to reintroduce you to yourself. Why? Because it's never existed before. Remember when Jesus was floating on the water, or uh, and he was sleeping, I should say. He had a nap on the boat, and all of a sudden the wind and the storm came, and the disciples were freaking out. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to perish? And they woke him up from his nap. And afterwards, Jesus said, Shh, peace, be still. And this calm came about on the sea. Now what happened on the inside in the hearts of these disciples? What was their question? What kind of man is this? That's the same question that you need to be asking because you're in Christ what kind of man now am I? 
Oh, because from the natural, that looks, nobody can ever do that. But in Christ Jesus, you've been given authority over this earth. So what kind of man are you? That's what we have to find out. So look at this in Ephesians 2.50, and I'll finish off here real quick. It says that he, Jesus, he nullified in his flesh the law of commandments and decrees, and he did this. Why did he do all this? To create in himself one new man out of the two talking Gentile and Jew, and he made peace. So there is a brand new man that has shown up on the scene when Jesus rose from the dead. So what did Jesus do? He went, come here, disciples. <gasps> Breathed on them and says, you receive the same spirit that I had. Something hit them. They got born again on the inside. Now Satan, now listen, from his perspective, he's going, now I had to deal with one. Now I got to deal with 120. Now I got to deal with 170. Now I got to deal with a 500. Now I got to deal. And every time that the disciples continued to breathe out the message of the gospel, the first message that the church ever had, 3,000 people got saved. <sighs> Satan's going, <sighs> freaking out. Why? Now 3,000 people with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now dwelling in 3,000 different people. And now, church, we got a global body filled with the presence and the spirit of God on the inside of them. So what should darkness be doing when the church wakes up to this reality? <laughs> somebody get me my roll. I need my stroller. I got, somebody help me. I got, can't stand up. So what is it the church has to wake up? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Joel, the book of Joel even says, wake up the mighty men. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the church. You. He's saying, come on church, wake up. Why? Because there is so much more in you that you may not even realize it. So this new man has to be reintroduced to yourself. You've got to see it. And that's why the Ephesians chapter 1 prayer is an unending prayer. You pray it every single day. And I want to take a few moments just to read that to you, but we're going to, we'll finish with that. But you see over and over, 130 times, say with me, 130 times, you find the signature of the gospel in Paul's writing. Why do we have to bring up the apostle Paul so much? Because what Paul saw he didn't see Jesus crucified naturally. He saw what happened from the grave, from hell to the throne. God allowed him to see in the spirit what Jesus, or sorry, what the Father would have saw. He saw what Satan would have saw. The disciples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you actually get the natural acts. You saw what took place. You saw his passion, how he fell three times, how he came back up, how Mary gave him water. You see all of that. Your heart goes, oh man, this is what took place. But don't just stop there. This now signature in Christ is huge. This is the revelation that Paul, God gave to the apostle Paul to give to the church at large until he comes back. You are in Christ. Something happened from the throne or from the grave to the throne. And that transaction that took place absolutely freaked hell out, absolutely delivered and set free all of mankind to say those that believe on him will never be the same bound to sin, bound to addictions, bound to lust, bound, bound, bound. It should not be happening in the church. Why? Because when you get a revelation of who you are, you're too high for that junk.
You're too big for that stuff. Why? Because you're in Christ. So this is why we have to move from just information of the Bible. The Bible has to be a new book to us. And how does it move from a new book from one you fall asleep to to something that keeps you up at night? It's called revelation knowledge. How do you get that? Pray this prayer. I asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, give me right now spiritual wisdom and insight into that I may grow in my knowledge of you. Continuing on, he says, I pray that my heart would be flooded with light so that I can understand the confident hope that you have given to me because you've called me. What else? I'm also asking that my eyes be open so that I can see uh, your rich and glorious inheritance. This is a wrong translation. Verse 19. He says, I also pray that you will understand, listen to this, church, you got to understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Other translations says that's made available for us because you believe him. Do you know how much power is actually on the inside of you? It's the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead and seat him at his own right hand. God says, I'm putting that on the inside of you. So no matter what comes your way, this overpower, like God just didn't give you a little bit. He exploded you with every supernatural strength you would ever need. So what's, how come we're not seeing it? It's not known and it's not acted as if I have it. So how do I, rather than just you and I start acting in it, what takes place first? This knowledge, this revelation going, the power of God is on the inside of me. Greater is he that is living inside of me than he that is in the world. Woo! All of a sudden a bill comes your way that you weren't expecting. Huh, greater is he, greater is he that's living in me than he that is in the world. Sickness tried to attack one of my sons the other day. Hold on, greater is he that's living on the inside of me. You told me to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Get over here. In the name of Jesus, sickness, get out. That's the authority I possess because I'm in him. I don't do that in and of myself. I can't do anything. But in Christ, you better watch out. Devil will go, who are you? I'm in him. And he made me right, so you better move. Yes, sir. And he has to flee because the devil knows, some, sadly, the devil knows how much power you have more than some people you have. The devil's more knowledgeable about it. So what are we doing this year is we're waking up to the strength that God has placed on the inside of us by clearly identifying who we are in Christ Jesus. Can I finish this off and then I'll be done? That you'll begin to know, there you changed it, thank you, what the immeasurable and unlimited... <laughs> Can we just read that together? Let's just make the devil real nervous this morning. Let's begin it from the beginning. That you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. Woo! These are in accordance. Now he's talking about this power. This power is in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, verse 20, which he produced in Christ. Notice those words, in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Where, where is this seat? 
Come on, y'all. Say it one more time. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one that is to come. Woo! Then he goes on to say, and he, God, put all things in every realm and subject under Christ's feet and appointed Christ as the supreme and authoritative head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. Woo! So who are you? I'm in Christ. If I'm in him then guess where every throne, dominion, everything that Satan is trying to do, where is it compared to where I am? Far below me. He wants to bring strife. He wants to bring sickness. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't try to fight him from the same level. Elevate it. Take it to a way higher thought and say, no, 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 no. This is where I sit. This is who I am. Satan, sickness, get your hands off of me now in Jesus' name. Why? Because that is my right. That's who I am. Anybody need to take care of some business this morning? Are you done with the devil just eating your lunch and popping the bag a little bit? Can we all just stand up here together for a moment? Let's declare what 2024 is going to be. Did you hear me? I'm not waiting for 24 to happen to me. I'm telling 24 how it's going to be. Why? Because he made me right and I'm in him. So let's right now, let's declare what 24 is going to be. So just say this, in the name of Jesus, from my position of authority, I declare that the year 2024 will be a glorious year for me, for my family, for my church, for my business, in my finances, in my body, in my mind. I declare... I am free in 24. Addictions, hurts, past pains, struggles, you are below me. I am far above you. And I take my seat and I declare victory in Jesus' name. Come on, just shout that victory. Victory. Who are you? You are the victorious church. No devil, no demon can take that away from you. Listen, even if the devil were trying to rob your life, you still end in victory. But don't let him. Nobody is going to die early in this church. Well, how do you know that? I'm, I'm saying that. Nobody is dying early in this church. We need you. We need your strength. We need the God that you know to impart into the families. We need what you have. So nobody is dying early. You hear me? <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. You're here for the long haul. Sickness will not take you out. This will not be a year of poverty for you. I hope some of you agree with me. It's just, oh, how do you know all that? I, it's not that I know. I know from the word and what he said I can have. This is how it's going to be. There will be no strife that comes into marriages. Try to split and cause divorces. Not a chance. Now, of course, it's not just me declaring it. Of course, there's an action part to it. You can't just go, well, you know, pastor said there's going to be no strife here, so uh, you know what, start doing more work around here and figure out all this. That, that won't work. You understand, there's a, there's a two-way on all this. But this is who we are. So, Father, we bless you. 
we, first of all, we lift our hands to you to say thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. And Lord, just over us as a people, Father, we thank you that your face shines bright over us. Lord, we thank you that the blessing of the Lord is over every person, every family represented in this room. Lord, we as a, as a team, we bless the peop- this congregation. We bless the families. Marriages be strong. Marriages be whole. Families be whole. Daughters to the fathers, sons to the fathers, daughters to the mothers, sons to the mothers. There is a wholeness taking place in this year for us. We command wholeness and wellness. Shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken in your lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.